So many of you international medical students and graduates have reached out to me to ask about the IMG Roadmap online course. So to meet your demand, I've created a self-paced format of the same seven-module course that is ongoing right now, which is live. And in this course, I teach IMGs how to create their own medical success story. So you learn how to find IMG-friendly programs, how to network, how to find U.S. clinical experience, how to get a strong letter of recommendation, what program directors want to see in your personal statements, how to study and use the resources available for USMLE preparation. I even go into how to fill out the dreaded ERAS application so that you maximize all your experiences and show that forward. Sign up right now at imgroadmap.com slash p slash self-paced. Again, that's imgroadmap.com slash p slash self-paced. You can complete this on your own at the comfort or within the comfort of your own home. And you have my email for consistent support. Guys, I'll see you on the other side. So go ahead and join us. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Nueke. I've been following him on Instagram probably for the last several years. He is such a positive soul, someone that I've kind of watched his journey from the sidelines, but I'm not going to speak for him, right? So I'm going to ask him to introduce himself to us. Hey, Anthony, can you introduce yourself to us, please? All right. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is uh, Dr. Nemeka. Weke. Some, you know, most people know me as Anthony. I'm from Nigeria and I was born in Nigeria and then came to the United States in 1998 and grew up in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Wow. That's nice. So another thing I really admire about you is you are very pro Nigeria and you put out, so you have like mad dancing skills, right? And I've seen those on the Instagram. Like you have this, I don't know what they call the Igbo dance, but you do it so well. And I just want to let everybody know, like, if you aren't following him at Doctor's Message, you need to be doing that right now. But yeah, since this is an IMG podcast, let's talk about the IMG stuff first. So before I get distracted here, so can you tell us where you went to medical school? I went to medical school at St. George's in Grenada. Okay. what year? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to ask what year did you graduate and tell us a little bit about your time in Grenada. Okay, um, I um, I started 2014, January 2014, and um, I uh, finished, graduated. Well, I got my uh, degree January 2019, but I walked 
summer of 2018. Okay. So I basically finished 2018 and then I had the time period where I did extra rotation and concluded January 2019. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And you just matched this spring in 2020. Yes. What did you match into? Matching to physical medicine and rehabilitation, I will be going to Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, which is an advanced program. So therefore, I'll be doing a preliminary medicine year at Staten Island University uh, Hospital. This started in this uh, June 20th, 2020. Congratulations. That's such a big deal. Now, I know some I am just listening may not be very familiar with PM&R. So maybe let's just go a little bit more into that because... You know, it's not one of the specialties that I'm just commonly applying to from my perspective, mm-hmm. but can you just tell us a little bit about PM&R and why you chose that? Okay, so let's talk about, you know, PM&R. So PM&R is, uh, like, like I said, physical medicine rehabilitation. As physicians, we're called physiatrists. Um, essentially, we treat wide variety of medical conditions which affect the brain, spinal cord, nerves, bones, joints, ligaments, muscles, and tendons. So, you know, you see, you see areas like traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury. I mean, there's a lot of musculoskeletal uh, pathologies which we deal with. Essentially, we are, we're, we're focused on regenerative stuff. I mean, and most importantly, to get people back to their activities of daily living. That's the that's the um that's the cornerstone of you know being a physiatrist, uh, getting patients back to the things that they love to do on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I was just gonna ask, you know, so for the person listening right now who could be an IMG, maybe in a Caribbean medical school, what are the requirements to apply into PMNR? So basically, you know, you know, you just you just you just flow like the you know regular curriculum that everybody does. But the thing about it is being aware of the field early on um, is very, very important. PM&R is a small community and, you know, you can always acquire even if you learn about it late. But the earlier you know about it, the more you start to shadow physiatrists, do research on areas concerning the field of, you know, physical medicine rehab and also participating in, in things such as, you know, wheelchair challenges. Special Olympics that deal with, you know, injuries and prosthetics and all of these things, be familiar with that. And then networking is very huge in the field because the more you know, the easier they're able to recognize you. Um, and that way, you know, they're, they're, they accept you even before your application goes in. So that's very, very important, you know, process. Right. And then how about like score targets? Because that's usually something that I just want to know is like, hey, what scores do I need? for the specialty of physical medicine and rehab? You know, in general, just, you know, I would just put this out there as an international medical grad. You know, you want to aim to score as high as, as high as, as you can. You don't want to look at what the score actually, you know, it's good to know what the mark is, but there, you know, you can look at the first days that tell you for this specialties, what you need, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say, you know, score as high as you can. Just to share my own particular score, the reason, you know, I was, first of all, I was, I was pursuing and going to orthopedics initially. So I always knew that, you know, I needed a score very high. The cutoff for orthopedics, 240 and, and above, is always like, okay, you're year in. But, you know, I knew that wasn't enough. So I was aiming for like something like a 265 on a step one. 
Um, I didn't get a 265. I got a 241. I was happy with that. You know, for PMNR, the the medium of, that I've seen, you know, in the 230s, right? But it's getting very, very competitive. So people are having those type of numbers. And also to note, a lot of people, for a lot of people who may want to go into orthopedics, they don't get orthopedics, they'll, they'll also become interested in PMNR, so on and so forth, other fields as well. So they're, they're already scoring very high. But, you know, it's not all about your scores. You know, if you if you don't have a 240, you can still get into, you know, match into PMNR. If you don't, if you have a two, if you're in the 230s range, you definitely can still match. You know, the struggle areas will be when it, it becomes very low in the 220s, but it's still possible. But you just don't want to be in that area because, you know, you're competing against other people who are not IMGs and who are, with you know, studying in the States. So a lot of them could have those scores in those low low ranges, but that still doesn't really affect them. They'll match. I've seen situations where someone didn't have a passing step two C, uh, CK and was able to match, you know, in the time that I didn't match, you know, then they matched. So, you know, then they went to school in the, in the States. So you don't want to find yourself in this questionable zone. Um, you always want to be as clean as unfair, but you, you want to be as crisp as possible I mean, just work very, very hard. Yeah, so really the message that I'm hearing you tell IMGs today is, you know, forget basically what chart you're looking at and just really focus on excelling and doing it really well because you don't want to just fall along the lines of the average person or average student in that applying for that specialty. You want to sort of shift that mark and be above average so that you give yourself a little bit more of a competitive edge. And I agree with that 100%. Um, you did mention a few things that I want us to go into. The first thing you talked about was orthopedic surgery was your first choice when you first started out. And, but now you're very happy to be going to a great university program, Baylor University. Everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. You're happy to be matching there starting. You're going to start off with your intern year in New York and then move down to Baylor for your specialty training. But can you walk mm-hmm. us through maybe some lessons learned with your journey into ortho that didn't quite pan out? Okay, so let me just kind of walk this very thoroughly. So basically, when I went to University of Houston at undergrad, and at the time when I started to learn about or aspire to go into medicine, you know, people were telling me that you need community service hours, you need volunteer and things like that. So I was able to, you know, shadow this anesthesiologist in Houston at the time. I just wanted to shadow her. I didn't, was not, it wasn't because I was interested in anesthesia. I just want to sh- shadow. So one of her cases she was doing, um, somebody was having a below the knee amputation. It was a combination of vascular surgeons and uh, orthopedics in that case. So, and, you know, upon watching that, I didn't flinch or anything like that. And then it just basically, you know, motivated me like, wow, I think I can really, really do this stuff. I had a, a friend slash mentor who, you know, at the time when I was struggling with the MCAT, you know, he was going to university, he was going to Howard University, and he told me that he was um, pursuing to go into orthopedics. And, you know, at the time, I just felt like, oh, that's something that I, you know, I'm, out, I'm also interested in. So as a former athlete and things like that, one of the reasons that drove my interest for ortho is because I tore my ACL in high school playing football. Mm-hmm. One of my initial goals was to go to NFL, go to NBA. I told myself, if I'm not going to do that, 
because what my doctor did for me, or at the time, get me back on the field, I want to see athletes, you know, young kids and stuff like that, who, or anybody in general, just be able to get back and play. Because it's not about playing, but just that joy. Because when you get injured like that, depression kicks in and stuff like that. So for me, just that alone was enough. I just want to see somebody know that they can believe in themselves again. That's what really drove me to passionately um, wanted to pursue it. Then came about just knowing the anatomy, knowing the physics, and knowing you know, knowing that I have good hand skills, you know, I've always trusted my ability to use my hands and stuff like that. So I just felt like it fit me. It was something that I think I thought that was more natural, you know, that if I just put my brain into it, that I can definitely do it to the best of my ability. Um, so it became a fixation, to be quite honest, knowing that this goal was a long reach, it became a fixation. I knew that my limitation getting to medical school, I didn't want those kind of things to become a limited factor again when it comes to going to for the next thing. So therefore what I did when I went to St. George's in Grenada was I knew I had to work very hard. But then on top of that, I knew I had to prepare early. So my first year, seeing that I, I didn't have that much information about medical school from undergrad, I knew that I need to seek out what's necessary early. So I knew that I needed my first aid book early. So therefore, when I get, came to St. George's, I bought my first aid book, my first term. I began annotating my first aid, you know, at least second term. I began looking at those stuff early. I actually bought the U-World early. I bought U-World, you know, my second year, early my second year. I bought them. There was another first aid, Q-Bank, which also I purchased too. So in combination, I prepared early I didn't know how to answer these questions. I didn't even know how to read the vignettes like that. But I still looked at them. I still believe like something is go they're all going to come together. As I kept the same, as I kept that pressure going, I came about at the end of my two years going into step study on my third pass with UWorld, on my third pass with the other stuff. And then like, I think my first pass or, you know, with the Kaplan Q-Bank. And I've already seen my first stage so much that it became photographic memory. Right. So when I was studying for my step one, I still hit it like fear. Like I still have fear. I studied, I believe I studied for 12 weeks or something like that. And I would study 16 hours a day, every single day, except when I took breaks, which was Saturday. But other than that, I was studying 16 hours a day. And that involved using Pathoma. That involved using Golgen. Rapid review. I read Golgen. Rapid review. I read that thing, page one to last page twice, during during the time when I was studying for the step one. I did I did like some crazy stuff, you know, like just reading and reviewing, re reviewing, um, and then of course doing the U World and then doing a continuous biweekly basis practice tests to prepare, and you know. Everything came together and I was able to produce, you know, my score you know, of a 241. Initially, I wasn't that excited about it. But then overall, I was like, that's not a bad score, given that. That's a great score. Yeah. Yeah. Given, given that, given that the time when I was studying, I, I declined. I declined like weirdly. One, 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 one week I took the exam, I went from a 245 like a 229 i declined my brain like was frozen 
I don't know what's going on. Like, like mentally, like the process was so grueling that my brain was getting tired and I became, I started to get scared around that time. But what motivated me was like, I would listen to Eric Thomas. I would listen to Les Brown. Like I would listen to these motivational, you know, soundtracks to get my, to stay more like motivation is so powerful, you know, that the will, like that stuff is incredible. Like what you can, invoke and stuff like that is crazy no matter how smart you are a lot of us can be defeated you can have your worst day you go take the exam and that's your worst that's your worst output so i definitely um you know trained my mind and i was able to continuously exercise per day and just believe till it became a reality but with that score i definitely became more hopeful i was like wow you know orthopedics is really gonna could really be a thing you know, and my eye was set on like, you know, Howard orthopedic program, you know, or anywhere else. But I just knew that for me, I need to find those places where I can compete that, you know, I can compete and stuff like that. So when I dropped in my step two, so through the journey, you know, I, I lost my dad, my third year medical school. Um, I'm so, yeah. yes, you know, it was, it, it was definitely a tough time and thank you. But, you know, in general, my dad taught me, you know, my dad taught me, you know, speaking of my dad, my dad was like a huge, you know, cornerstone in who I am and the type of mindset that I have and what drove me to wanting to be um, who I am today in many ways. My dad was very hard on me, you know, especially when it came to education and stuff like that and academics, that's what he was all about. So in return, I never really slowed down with school. It was a quick turnover for me. I went home, mourned a little bit, and then I went right back to the rotations. I didn't stop because I was, you know, I didn't want to take a break because I wanted to match orthopedic surgery. And I was like, you know, I need to stay on par. I need to stay, you know, you know, with the with the schedule. Wow. So, but, in, you know, I didn't I didn't realize, you know, so one of the things that was very, uh, that affected me a lot was, I lost my dad um, when I was doing my internal medicine um, rotation. It was towards the end. My last rotation was the ICU, you know, rotation at the time. And after each rotation, you close it by taking a shelf exam. It was the window when I was studying and getting ready to take a shelf exam. And then because of that trauma, my brain was not, I couldn't study all that, all, all, all what internal medicine entails. I wasn't going to be fit to take that exam at the time. So when I started my next rotation, which was pediatric rotation, I said, let me focus on one thing at a time and I'll come back to internal medicine stuff. So I finished, I finished peds, went back to Nigeria, you know, did my dad's burial, came back. You know, when I came back from that, it was just, it was just a struggle to like get back. Like I was still mourning, but I was trying to elongate that process by going to, you know, rotations and stuff like that. I didn't know that it added up, you know, and a lot of other area, things that were happening around that time in my life. And so I didn't have the same level of focus studying for my step two. And, you know, step two comes to you very quickly. You know, for the IMGs who, who yeah, for the IMGs who, who, who don't know, I mean, step two is just as important or even more than the step one. I mean, for everybody else. But where we where we become weak at is our clinical acumen. 
You know, step one tests you on your ability to know the foundation of the diseases and the, you know, stuff like that. And just, but step, you know, step two starts to test, test your ability to think clinically. And that's where they don't believe that internal in international medical graduates are sound at, you know, they believe some people don't speak well. They don't, you know, know how to, you know, connect with patients, don't know how to think in a clinical setting. So therefore you need to demonstrate that, you know, ability very well. If you don't, if you do well in step one, but you don't perform well in that, they'll start to really, really look deeper into you and your ability. So, and when you get an interview or something like that, they would definitely want to know why, why did you not do well? Is it your ability to, you know, interview or communicate and so many aspects, especially also the CS exam that comes with that, you know, step two, you know, a lot of people struggle in that part too. Um, and in turn, in an international medical grad, as well as people who went to school in the States, they right. struggle. But as an IMG, when you struggle in that test, they start worrying about if you speak in good English, um, and whatever the case may be. So anyway, so, you know, for me, for when it comes back to orthopedics, I knew that I needed to schedule these away rotations. Also to note as an IMG, trying to go into orthopedic surgery, your the places where your school has affiliation, they may have orthopedic department there. They may not have a residency. And if they do, and you know, it's still hard. You still have to, you know, schedule them competitively with everyone else in the States because people schedule the rotations and just, you just have to set them up because you can't just only do the rotation at that site where your school has affiliation. You have to spread yourself out. So for me, knowing this, I definitely used the location that were affiliated with my school. But one of the things that I did was Howard University. I knew residents there who I reached out to. Um, I was able to get the paperwork for the affiliation to fill it out. One of the chief residents at the time um, was able to talk to the program director directly and was able to get me approved. I was, I was, I was able to not have, have to pay anything to do that rotation, which I was very pleased to, you know, to, to acquire. So when things start working in my favor in that direction, I was like, you know, I'm very spiritual, you know, with a lot of, a lot of things, if not everything. So I was like, man, this is a blessing. And it was a blessing from God. And the day that I was able to get that approved was the, my dad's birthday, you know, around that oh, time. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like, I was just like, no, a lot of stuff like on set, like personal stuff. I was like, wow, how, how am I able to get this opportunity? So I was like, man, this must be it. I'm really believing about this thing. So when I went to Howard, I did my rotation. Everyone I did my fourth year rotation for orthopedics. I definitely did my best to come prepare for every case. You know, it's very important to know that you're a student. So they know that you don't know that, but just knowing that you're doing the right things, like being prepared, at least knowing the anatomy, knowing what is being cut knowing the complications, so many different things just coming because you never know when they're going to pimp you or ask you. So I was very prepared for that. And also being ready if you ask to close, you know, you want to be, hey, you want to come in there and say, I know how to close. I was very confident about closing, like, you know, being in the room. So I was, I, I felt like I put in a lot of, I put in a lot of work. Um, And, you know, def and also in turn, I got some, you know, you know, quality letters from the rotations. But, you know, I knew that regardless of the fact, I was going through the eye of a needle. 
You know, I know based on statistics, there has not been anyone from my school who matched off the, off, you know, off the strength of completing fourth year. They either had to do some research for some extended amount of years, you know, things like that, or maybe they transferred schools and was able to now match. But just the way I was doing it, I knew that, you know, not matching is a reality. So, but you don't know how it feels until you go on match. So when I went on match at that time, you know, many people were telling me, bro, why didn't you apply for internal medicine? Just get a job. Why didn't you do this one? Just get a job. Mm-hmm. I'm telling them, listen, I didn't have, I, I didn't have to go to medical school. <laughs> I know I was blessed to do so many other things. I knew I was blessed to do so many other things outside of medicine that I would have been very, very happy to be doing. But I told myself I came this long route because this is something I wanted to do. But for me, I I, I had to become, I had to really become introspective and actually tell myself, Anthony, you can't be this narrow-minded. Although sometimes as physicians, well, not all the time, but as goal-seeking individuals, you sometimes you have to narrow your focus to get to that point that you want. If, if your plan is plan A, you cannot be thinking plan B. Right. You know, you have to say plan A. So that, that, I said in the clinical setting, yes, you know, there has to be a plan A and we have to stick with it. And then we easily transfer that into everyday life. Exactly. So the crucial, the, the pivot point for me was you know, um, so let me just let me just talk about this stunning period of not matching, which I think is very important. Yes. Let me just talk about what I let me just talk about what I did. Yeah. Um. Reason, yeah. The reason why I said let me talk about what I did because I've even after I matched this period, I've 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 talked to more people who have not matched this period than than even spend time celebrating me matching because I just feel like. That thing I did when I did a match is powerful that ain't everybody must do. I mean, everyone handled this is different. So the time I did a match the first time, it was tough for me. I was basically, I found myself constantly laying in fetal position in bed, not eating. You think the world stopped because you didn't succeed. You think that you're, that you're, that, that you feel, first of all, you feel with so much embarrassment. Yeah. Also, me being such an extroverted individual, you know, you got to understand it's probably hitting me crazy. So I had to, you know, I used to say one one thing at the time was I cannot come and kill myself. You know, as as as, as African. That's yes, that's the famous, famous line that we hold on to. Yeah. Exactly. I cannot come and kill myself. Or <laughs> Anyway, I decided... When I was at that time, you know, after I didn't soak anything and then I started to put together my application package, started to go into all these residents swap and places where, you know, may, 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 may have opportunities, start sending like plethora of emails to places and it just came to a point to no avail. I said, I'm going to stop sending my computer. Because the thing about the thing that happens to people at that time is that if you are not on your computer, Every day, to you to yourself, you feel like you're not helping yourself, you know. And I told myself, like, no, that's just this is lunacy. This is lunacy. Like, I'm causing depression every single day. If I don't get if I don't get an email response, my day is ruined because I'm like, oh my gosh, 
oh, this place has a, 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 a opening spot. Okay, let me see if I can get something. Da, 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 da. Nothing happens. And then your day is messed up because you, you, you heighten yourself up. And you felt like maybe you will change your situation. It doesn't change. So I told myself, you know what? I'm going to let go. I let go. I start hanging out with my non-medical friends. You understand? Because the reason why I did that is because I don't want not not anything. I just don't want to be around individuals who are moving moving forward. And that continuously remind me of like, is this all I'm trying to do in my life? So I stepped out. I stepped. I stepped outside of that. I the question changed for me. People were asking me, "Bro, did you match? Did you not match?" And this and that. I was again those questions. I started realizing that there's more to life. That's what really got me into more of the entertainment stuff that I kept doing to kind of like uplift me, right? Um, right. And then, you know, I started doing some of that. It kind of helped me get back into a place where I can think. That is when I started to have an open mind to saying to myself, like, Anthony, you know what? Maybe you need to consider other fields. You know, I never knew that light bulb would, would come up, would, would click. And I'm right. so happy that it did click. So when I what happened for me was like I came back, I came back, I started thinking to myself, why is it that I want to do oil? I love physics, I love chemistry, I love these basic science stuff. There's things that I don't like. And then this is why I don't want to go into that. There's there's like little details that tell you where you fit in. So I started thinking think, that's when I started thinking about anesthesia and PMNR. So when my school when my school was offering plans, you know, St. George's, you know, does a, a, does a little bit of a good job, you know, helping people in that situation by offering plans for those who went unmatched, whether you want to do your MPH, whether you want to do an extended clinical period, which will allow you to do so. And so they just give you a bunch of different things that help people improve their chances going into the next match. What they don't do a great job in is in that point where you're when you're going through match week and you don't you don't succeed they don't have they don't do a great job to my personal opinion in dealing with you effectively as as other institutions that are much smaller do for their you know students which they may have they may be able to pick up the phone call to get everybody through no work programs are on field to really get the, you know, get that 100% match rate that they typically advertise. These are the things that help them do that. Sometimes during that week as an IMG or, you know, just going from, coming from St. George's or IMG in general, you might just be, you might just catch yourself in a deep ocean by yourself. And you start thinking, I put in all this money to this place. How come they can't help me right now? Right. Yeah. But the truth is you're not the only person at the time going through it. So they become overwhelmed by the volume, which is why it's very important before you get to that point of applying that you do all of these things, almost anticipate like the fear of not matching. Let that be your driving force to make sure that you perfect as much as possible. And one of the things I came to understand through this, I'm not going to say I wasn't a great listener, but I had to sharpen my ability. I had to sharpen my ears. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to highlight this so much. I have to sharpen my ears. Because as physicians, you're going to always have, your ears are so valuable. You use them every single day. Right. When you make talking to a patient, things like that. 
oftentimes we don't listen well enough. And sometimes because we don't listen good enough, we don't actually be able to follow the true direction of where we need to. So I had to listen. So I, I lowered any type of pride I may have had, I may have had, and I started to listen. And that was a highlight of that, of that, the time period that I was on match going into the, the matching this year. When I did that adjustment during the extended clinical period, like I said, I did some rotations. I did a rotation in physical medicine rehab. And then I did another rotation, which was surgical boot camp. And they allowed me to, to work with orthopedics and anesthesia. And with anesthesia, I was able to, you know, see how to do, you know, to intubate a patient and learn some of the things that goes on behind um, in the OR, in that area, uh, learn about certain regional blocks that were to be done for certain type of procedures and so on and so forth and things like that. And for orthopedics, you know, I was able to scrub in. And one of the things that helped me a lot was because I approached things with hunger. The first time I got into the OR, one of the things I asked one of the residents that I was working with was, hey, man, do you have any ongoing projects going on right now? Because I knew I had four weeks. So I had to really, really, really like you know, take every single day like it was the last day that I had. Yeah, you started and once I opened my mouth exactly. So once I opened my mouth regarding research, he was like, Yeah, I'm actually pumping out stuff right now because I'm applying for sports fellowship, you know, going in. So I hopped on a project very quickly and it made me have to it made me have to go the extra mile. I would call patients. So basically I was collecting statistics of the outcome for, you know, total hip procedures um, and, and total knee procedures. So we had to do something called the WHO score and COO score. So basically, we're trying to stratify the outcome um, in just a, in, in, in a short picture. That's what, you know, I, so I was calling. It was tedious work. I was broke, but I was still making a drive to the, to the clinic to do that. You know, I was still paying toll to get there. I had to figure out a way. Not only was I trying to match i was going through the season of the brokest i've ever been and i just want to talk about this a little bit because sometimes nobody talks about this aspect that you know i was freaking broke and so i had to survive i had to like start thinking about how to survive which made me become a hustler so whichever way i can secure some funds i did you know my cultural dancing things that i do i put it out because people hired me for events so i go and i and i and i and i and i make money you know, the money I make from these things, I actually charge pretty solid amount. Like at baseline, I charge $500 to perform, which is an incredible thing that I can actually do that. People love to see that. So therefore, I was able to use that to just be able to maintain and things like that. So that helped me along the way to be able to be able to apply the second time around. You know, of course, I had to take extra loan, be able to make that application possible. So but it wasn't it wasn't a hefty amount as compared to the amount of money that I had the first time I applied for, for residency. So this time I had to really, really, really start learning that I can't just pick programs anyhow. I have to really look at these programs and statistically study their outcome based on being an IMG going into so-and-so field. So that really started becoming, you know, and it takes a lot of, it takes, it takes some time, you know? Um, and so I did that, narrowed it down. Um, because I was duly applying. I applied the second time to uh, ortho 
few programs. I applied to anesthesia and I split anesthesia and PMNR. So the way I did that was if I'm applying to anesthesia at this program, I wouldn't, I wouldn't apply to PMNR at that program. So basically I cut my PMNR application in half to, to satisfy anesthesia given the locations where I applied. So that's how I did it the second time. I, I thought that the second time was going to be more successful than I, than it came out to be early on. I had my first anesthesia interview, I interview at Rush. So I said to myself, if I'm getting an anesthesia interview at Rush, I'm definitely going to get more anesthesia interviews. Right. That's, you know, that's my, yeah, that was my, that was like my thought process, but that was my only anesthesia interview the second time, you know, and I was, I was okay with that. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have a burning passion for anesthesia. I was just like, man, people game this whole thing, you know, why I should game it too. Let me, let me, let me just look at the angle of what I want and just suck it up and go through the process till I get to the end goal, which was to either go to go into pain. Anyway, and then the PM&R interviews came in and I was getting a couple of them and I was like, okay, cool. I got a couple and I was able to get ortho interview again at Howard. So I said to myself, okay, it's not a bad situation. I had about, you know, in total, including preliminary programs i had a total about 11 when you combine every single thing that yeah. that year so i was like okay number wise it's more than what my first year was first year i think i only had like four interviews and you know that's how it was so coming out the second time around not matching it was um it was devastating you know i tell you it was very devastating the difference this time around was i was actually back in dallas i moved back to dallas I moved back to Dallas just because I was tired of suffering in the East Coast. I said to myself, I need to move back to Dallas and stay with my family. I mean, just work from there. And prior to finding out about match, I did Uber driving. I Uber drive. Yes, I Uber drive. You know, I was driving Uber in the beginning of, beginning of 2019. Wow. I humbled myself. I was driving Uber. I was doing it quietly. I applied for Uber and Lyft. And I said to myself, how can you go to medical school all these years and then now you that's what you're doing? I said, that's the best thing for me. I can, con- I can control my time. I can decide when I want to turn my thing on. Um, at the same time, simultaneously, I was prepping for the step three. So it was basically, a, it was like a break for me. So I'd be studying for the step three. And then I'd say, you know, I'd say, let me go drive for Uber for two, three hours, make a little money and then come back. So that's what I was doing in the beginning of 2019. So I knew that it was hard to commit to those things because match is so important. You know, all your whole career, your it's so important. It's like the most important period because your plans can change for the rest of your year. You can't even make plans down the road. Somebody telling you, Hey, where are you going to be in June? I don't know yet. I can't put my finger down to that. <laughs> where are you going to be in September? I said, nothing is certain at that point. You know, you're just going each day. Nothing is certain at that point. Exactly. So, Last match week, you know, I just was so anxious and so nervous. I remember one of my brothers, he 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 didn't match ortho the first time around. So me and him, I had somebody that was going through the season with me. But fortunately, he was able to get a pre, prelim surgery within the soap at Rush. So he was in good shape. At least he was doing something. But still, we knew the end goal together was to match orthopedics. So we kept in conversation. I remember that morning. I messaged him. He sends me a screenshot of him matching. Um, I was like, wow, okay. I'm refreshing my email. 
it's already past the time. I'm like, okay, my email has not come in yet. I'm refreshing it. So I decided to give my sister my phone. My my younger sister, I gave her my phone, and um, the email comes in. She opens it. She was like, Anthony, I'm so sorry. I looked at the email. I didn't say a word. I just walked upstairs. I went straight to my room. First thing I did, I got on my knees, and I prayed. To be honest, I just got on my knees and prayed because I don't know, like, it's hard to take, it's hard to handle that thing. It's hard to go through it. Like, even when I went through and then regained my joy and was able to get back in mode and confident, it's so hard to, like, it's just so tough to find joy in the midst of all of that. No matter how much somebody motivates you, no matter how somebody's telling you, oh, it's going to be getting better, just go for it. It's hard. It's truly hard because you have to believe again. You have to, like, somebody has, you know, you have to, because at that point, many of many people who find themselves in that situation, the best answer is, A, if you do this year or if you do this with me, I have a guaranteed spot for you. But nobody can ever offer you that. It's not true. So nothing is guaranteed. So because you don't have that assurance, it's hard for you to, you know, you know, dial in. But, you know, because I need to, I needed to, you know, I, I needed to act quickly. My, I have, I had some really, really quality, you know, colleagues and slash friends who at the period reached out to me. One of my friends, he's an OTP resident at Howard. He reached out to me, said, Anthony, so let's look at your CV. Let somebody else look at my CV. They, they, they were able to tell me some deficiencies and where I need to restructure certain things, type to type up a cover letter, and just many, many different things that just needed to change. Because obviously, there's something wrong. The problem a lot of people start to face when they don't match is start to point, you know, start to point fingers away at other places, such as programs that may have said that they ranked them high and, yeah. you know, things like that. No, you have to truly be honest with yourself, be introspective, and say to yourself, what, did, what is it about me that needs to change? You yeah. know, and yeah. if it's in if it's in the backbone of your application, straighten straighten that out, address that. And so I kept working on that. I humbled myself in that regard. You know, knew that I needed external help, and I had friends that would offer me that that was communicate with me often. And you know, and then when you're in that situation, you need you need when you're hungry, you need constant communication. But also, you gotta realize these people's lives are ongoing too, so they're gonna get back to you when they're free. But I, but I really credit their effort. Um, I when I when I matched recently, I made sure that, that those were the first people that I extended my thanks to, um, because they were there at the at the crucial period to help me start this whole thing. So it was very helpful because every effort that I made, if it was getting a cover letter prepared, sounding well, no mistakes in the email. Um, no punctuation problems in the in the thing. Just nothing. It has to be so clean cut, you know. So I was very dialed in in that regard, in and everything. And so that helped me at the time when I was trying to execute whether it was to to stick to the orthopedic route. Um, so when I committed briefly just to that only, I was sending out mass emails to um, you know um, research programs. I was able to get some interviews in that period. I interviewed for NYU Adult Reconstruction and um, and Sports Medicine Fellowship 
you know, research fellowship kind of things. And, you know, I was excited because I was like, wow, if I can get NYU research, I don't mind. It's NYU. I know I can, with who I am, I can have great, I can work hard and, you know, then be able to talk with people and then display to them my passion and hopefully that would yield something. But another important factor was whatever I did needed to pay me something because I was not going to come back to the East Coast without making anything. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the paid research years. But they, they, they said to me that they would give me the volunteer opportunity. You know, that was a tough that was a tough decision for me to make because, you know, surviving and living is important. And like, how can I do that? Um, and is it a guaranteed thing that if I did the year that I'm going to match? So a lot of stuff was, you know, become a bother. But one of the positives within this period was that my family was very supportive so grateful for my family. My mom was willing to whatever it was going to take, you know, although it was hard for them because they wanted me to consider things such as internal medicine or family medicine just to, you know, but I told him, I said, listen, I'm the one doing the studying. I'm the one with the vision. I'm the one that wanted to pursue this. And I want to make sure that I do everything I can do before I actually decide to change my mind. Right. In that. First. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So that was, that passion lasted for about a one a week and a half, and after after a while, you know, I just said to myself, I said, you know what? Let me let me reach out to these PM&R programs. Let me let me see what it is. And now that I talk to people, I value so much feedback. Not only when you're rotating, not only when you're doing this and that. But feedback is so crucial in general, in life. It becomes a life principle now to ask for feedback, even in your relationship with your, with your significant other. Ask for feedback. Like, is this thing I'm doing, do you like this, this, and that? Same thing. So by asking feedback to these programs, I was able to get some truth that wasn't coming to my mind about why I didn't match being not. You know, what I thought was maybe because my application reeked of orthopedics or something. So when I when I reached when I reached out to them, it was basically, you were almost here. This is what we this is what the field is about. This is what the field seeks, and this is what the field accepts. So with that being said, I said to myself, like, you know what? I don't want to give up on this. You know, I think that I need to push more. And one program director definitely made a change, made a huge difference. It was a Kingsbrook um, PMR program, former PMR pro, uh, program director. Called. He 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 spoke to me on on the phone, really pumped me up with great information regarding like my abilities, what he saw, but just kind of told me overall like, okay, this is what I need to do to improve. He was able to give me A, B, C, D. You know, he told me A, do this program at Kessler, Rutgers, that have that been known to have a 93, 95% match rate for anybody going to primary care or PM&R. Or if they're, if they're field, you can think about applying family medicine and end up doing sports medicine. Or you can go to anesthesia and then do pain. But, you know, he didn't know that I, obviously, I didn't communicate to him that I also applied to, you know, other fields. You got to be smart. So as he was telling me, I said to myself, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm open to being, you know, because he, he, he offered to CC me to Dr. Stittick, which is the physician, the, um, the attendant who runs the fellowship program over there and, and, and things like that. So he said to me, I'm going to CC you 
And if, if they have any opportunities, I think you should do that. So I said, yes. You know, um, I say yes to whatever. And that's a huge importance to anybody that's in a, in that, that goes unmatched. If anyone offers you something when you don't match, I know that sometimes you may be hesitant to just say yes to that because it's not that I, it wasn't part of your, it wasn't part of your plan, but sometimes you got to say yes and, and develop the habit of saying yes. Because through your yeses might, might land something, right? You, so you think in your head, if you say yes to somebody who's offering you, oh, hey man, this, this thing, just this new program just opened the floor and look into it. I know for me at the time when people were telling me things like that, I didn't react to it very quickly because it was just like, like I'm not that thirsty, you know, <laughs> you know. But that's how that's how that's that's the wrong way to think about it. You just need to say, you know, you just need to say yes. At this point, I just say yes, and because I say yes, it was so powerful. He cc me. They got back to me. That told me that they only have one more spot left. I said to myself, let me let me let me see if I can secure this. Because at this point now, I've interviewed for the NYU research opportunity. I've been let down. Right. I said to myself, say yes. I say yes. I filled out the questionnaire. <laughs> and, you know, what's so powerful about it was when Dr. Siddick, he called me on the phone. I was on my way to the gym. Dr. Siddick looked, looked over my application. He said to me, he was like, oh, you're from Nigeria. Okay, nice. Tell me about, tell me about, um, he, was just, he asked me some sports questions. He said to me, he said, tell me about a famous soccer player from Nigeria. And I was able to mention JJ Okocha, but that wasn't the one he was thinking, but he knows that I'm in line. He's like, okay, tell me about it. Oh, you want, he was like, oh, you want the University of Houston? Okay. What famous uh, basketball player from Nigeria went to the University of Houston? I said, Haki Molaji. So once I mentioned these two things, he said, hey, listen, man, first of all, your scores is great. All this stuff looks great. I see that you wanted to go into orthopedics, but that's not a problem. You know, I don't know much about how to get you into orthopedics, but I think PM&R could be great for you. You know what I mean? I was like, I, was like, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to get along. It's, you know, he was like, he was like at this point, I, I like you, but, you know, Dr. Ford, which is the other physician, um, he has to also give an approval. So Dr. Ford, whenever he had time, he was able, he Skype called me. I'm just going to add this. He told me this during the year that he almost didn't pick me because when I did my Skype call, I had a Nike shirt on. So I'm just going to add this to the person who's listened to this is that even whenever you give an opportunity and you're not matching, you get a Skype call or anything like that, dress up as if you're going, as if that you're going to that interview, like you need to dress sharp. Unfortunately, I didn't dress in such way, but you know, I didn't know that was a huge, a huge issue till I actually was in the program. Here's what got me into the program. What got me into the program is when he saw that I do motivational speaking. See, I want to touch upon this because it's very special to me. Yeah. Because all through my journey, when I did all these extracurricular stuff, in the midst of some of my colleagues, I knew not a lot of people did these things. You know what I'm saying? I knew not a lot of people did things in their, for their culture or just an environment, right? But these are things that I was passionate about. These are things that make me, and I never let that go. I, when he told me, when he asked me, name your motivational speakers you listen to, I said, Eric Thomas, 
I said, Les Brown. Whew. Once I mentioned those two, me and him, we just kept talking on that Skype interview in just that alone for about 20 minutes. I saw the passion start oozing out his eyes and stuff like that. I could hear in his voice how much this meant to him. We left, we left, we closed on the interview on Skype. I, I, and then shortly, he texted me on Skype. He said, uh, we really, you know, just encouraging me about stuff like that. A few days after, I get the letter that I've been accepted to the program. I said, thank God so much. I'm like, wow, somebody gave me a, cho- a, a chance. Right now, the next thing was okay. I've been given an opportunity. How do I make this happen? I knew financial things were going to be a limiting factor, but you know, we were able to we were able to as a collective to make this happen. I have an older brother who was, who's also an attendant now. He has his own story of going unmatched twice as well. So he went through that season, but he was now in a blessed state to be finished in residency. And then he, he, he knew that he would be living in a house, in our family house for some time. So he, t- he said to me, I'll put my credit card down for the year to pay your rent. Wow. To pay your rent. Wow. You just got to get the risk. I said, man, thank you so much. And my mom was so supportive. I came, you know, coming back out here, you know, when I say out here, uh, Newark area, Rutgers, um, the East Coast overall. I knew that I had to make some very strong modifications in, in how I lived and, you know, things like that. The choices I made on the day and just tried to make sure I make the best out of this year. So just not to dive so deep into the year because that's a whole different conversation. But this year entailed, you know, just showing up early, learning a whole new system, focusing on following the protocol that's set in place, whether you're in a hospital, whether you're in a clinic, anywhere you go. There's a set of protocols and just there's a core thing, which is a mindset and, and also demonstrating adaptability, demonstrated coachability. And those many points of this year that could have broke me down. I've been chewed out, been yelled at, and it may, it may, it may, may seem on, on, you know, unequivocal to, you know, like if you get yelled out for something, it just didn't seem like it was, it just didn't seem like you deserve it, but you just have to go through it you know, to see the, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes the work that I was doing was way too much when you think about you getting paid $30 a day. But overall, I, I, one of the questions that I asked the former scribes who were outgoing as we were incoming was, hey, man, do you really think this will work for me? What became, what let me know that the year that I was in was for me was the, the moment that my attendant, Dr. Ford, let me know that, hey, he saw me wearing a particular jacket to work and he pulled me to the side. He said, listen, I really like that jacket. You know, no one else wears a jacket, but you look, you starting to look like a resident. And he pulled me to the side. He said, you know what? I just want to let you know that you were this close to not being here this year because of that Nike shirt that you wore on your Skype interview. But what really let me know that you're going to be cut out for this year is because your mindset, given the people that you listen to, podcasts you listen to and stuff like that that's what was able to show to me and so far you're showing that and you know it was just a, it was just such a blessing I work with colleagues who are coming from different areas different board scores you know people who've been out of medicine for some time but they were all IMGs from right. AUA one person from China 
you know, people had to sell their car to come to the program. So we all came came in. Whoever came in high was brought in the middle. Whoever came in low was brought in the middle. We all came at eye level, learned that it doesn't matter what you come in with, you have to do this as a team. So that's, that, was, that was something that we were groomed into, and it was very, very helpful. This, the year was very lopsided for all of us. I had the most interview out of the pack. I was able to get 20 interviews. Um, I was able to get 11 rehab, physical medicine rehab interviews, and nine preliminary interviews, six of them being in medicine, three of them being in surgery. So that's how my year went. Others, you know, were, you know, in difficult states because, you know, the, everyone's application package looked a little different, given the scores and stuff like that. Only two of us was going into physical medicine rehab. The rest were going into primary care, um, family medicine and internal medicine. But the core thing that we all went through was we were trained on how to tackle the interview process. We were trained on a mindset that we need to have. We were trained on making sure any research that we're, get, we're, we're doing, we documented them correctly on the application. We used the right way to, to address them, whether it's APA format, whatever format it is. All these things are very, very important. Because you, when you don't do it correctly, these people look at them, and these people that are in the academics, they know these things. So we have to really, really do them in the right order. When we did our CV, we have to really do everything perfect, you know, and they had to review them. They had reviewed our work before we even submitted it, before we even uploaded the ERAS. So there was a process before we given the green green light to put this stuff up. And I never had that preparing through medical school, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And I thought that was very valuable because people that are reading your application in the process, they don't want to read something and start having a hiccup. They start looking sloppy. And then you never know that's the reason why you weren't given an interview because your application was just difficult to look at, you know? So I thought that was very different. And we went, we went, through, we went through that. And then also after submitting the application, another level was emailing the programs. What's the status of my application? No matter what, sometimes when you email a program, they say, listen, we're just getting applications right now. We're not really, we're going to get to them. It doesn't matter. Just keep on showing that you're interested it might look too much you know it's almost like it's almost like trying to holler holler at that girl and she gave you a rejection one time but you truly believe that she's the one for you you got to stay persistent but of course don't go crazy but almost be crazy because that's how bad you want it so that was what we, we were being told to do and on top of that if you get a rejection still respond to the rejection you know still show professionalism still communicate you know, because in medicine, communication is so key. So if these are what people are trained on, by your ability to communicate, yields more than you know. So just by emailing and, you know, being courteous and, you know, following up and, and things like that, these are very, very important. Um, right. So we were, con- we, we were conditioned on that aspect. And then after the interview, we had a process. After you go to the interview, that day, once you leave the interview, that particular day, send your thank you letters or send your thank you email, you know, and things like that. And then later on in the season, repeat that again, follow up, you know, and and things like that. At the end of the season, when the ranking is coming in, also send another email, you know, stating where you're going to rank programs, et cetera, et cetera. And what was also very high key for us too, was my attendance after all, after we've done all of that, they also sent out in uh, emails 
to 10 programs of our choice that we would like them to communicate with. So we work hard for them. We have people in our corner. All of that drove the ball, you know, drove the ball forward. And everyone just had to cross their fingers also and pray. I mean, the good news was when Mass Day came, when the Monday came, six out of six people that busted their tail this year, everybody matched. Wow, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. Thank you so much for opening up and walking us through what the last year and a half has been for you. It sounds like Mm -hmm. several ups and downs, but you did not stop. You did not give up. I'm definitely going to include your contact information, all your social links in the in the show notes of this episode, guys, if you want to connect with him, yeah. I think he's a force to be reckoned with. I think that every IMG who, whether you're struggling or not struggling, you need to follow his journey and see how much, how far he's going to go. Cause it's, I think it's only going to go up from here. Yeah. It's only going to go up from here. So thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming on and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate having you. No problem. I really appreciate it. I know, I know I spent a lot of time talking, man, but it's a lot, you know. Um, no, it's valuable information, honestly. And the reason yeah. I do this podcast is so that I am just can hear very different perspectives from mine because there's yeah. there's just not one correct way. Everybody yeah. has a different process. Everybody has a different pathway. And I really want yes. to hear all these different perspectives, especially from people mm-hmm. like yourself who are matching into specialties that I am just don't look at. I really appreciate you going in such detail because, I mean, I didn't have to ask any questions. You answered all of them already. <laughs> so that's appreciate really good. So we really appreciate having you on here. No problem. So anybody, just one last thing. So anyone who's interested in, in, in PM&R, just feel free to reach out to me and things like that. I'll be able to share what I've, what I've been able to know of the field. And I'm willing to take any mentor, any people who want to be mentored, in general for the field or just in, you know, just in general, you know, just as Dr. Ina Loom said that you can reach out to me, contact me. You can follow me at, at Dr. Underscore O-M-M-E underscore M-D. So it's O-N-Y-E-M-M-E-M-E underscore M-D. And uh, we'll go from there. Or you can follow me also on my motivational platform at Doctor's Messages. So, um, Absolutely. Man, this was have all those links embedded in this in the show notes as well, guys. So you can just one click and get to his both of his profiles as well. So we'll make that easy for you guys to connect with him. I, I've never had anyone on the podcast openly ask for willingly offer themselves to mentor. So this is a great opportunity, guys. If I were you right now, I'll be flocking to his page. Sounds good. I had a wonderful time today. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks.